Masechet Kiddushin, Dafnun Dalid. We're trying to explain the opinion of Rabbi Meir in the Mishnah, that if you have some Hekdesh item or Hekdesh money, money that's dedicated to buying a sacrifice or for, for some holy purpose, and a man takes this Hekdesh item and gives it to a woman and says, Harat Mikudeshet Li, Rabbi Meir ruled that if it does it on purpose, then the Kiddushin is valid. They violated Me'ilah, but the Kiddushin is valid. However, Bishogeg, if they did it by mistake, uh, then there's no Kiddushin, and the money doesn't even become uh, desacralized. It doesn't work at all. Now, why is that? Why does it be made, make a distinction between Mezid and Shogeg? We're focusing on Shogeg and why um, there is no Kiddushin there. We saw the opinion of Rabbi Yohanan, who explained that it's because a woman would not want to agree to such a deal. She doesn't want to violate making Kodesh into Hall, which is a serious violation. In some cases, it'll be Me'ilah, in some cases, not Me'ilah, depending on what this money is going to be used for. Either way, it's a serious violation to uh, take something holy and make it not holy without uh, 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 improperly. And therefore, she would not agree to be Mikudesh, uh, not agree that she will be Mikudesh in that way. It could be that the man also would not agree. It's Bishogeg. So they didn't do it on purpose. And if you're now, when they find out, oh, this was Kodesh money, I never agreed to take this to use this money for such a purpose, and therefore the Kiddushin is not valid because she doesn't agree with it. He also probably wouldn't agree with it to give it to give it in such a case, and therefore the money stays Kodesh, uh, stays Hekdesh, and there's no problem there. That explains if you do it on purpose, well, then right, you uh, you wanted to uh, um, take something Kodesh and make it Hall if you do it on purpose. Then, yeah, the Kiddushin is good. You violated Me'ilah, but the Kiddushin is good. So that was Rabbi Yochanan's explanation. And we're going to come back to Rabbi Yochanan's explanation in a few minutes, where he's going to explain, well, how is it possible that you ever could violate Me'ilah Bishogeg if every time, anytime you use it, not only for Kiddushin, but to buy something, um, you, uh, you, if you asked him, you say, "Oh no, I would never wanted to have have used it. Um, I would never wanted to. Uh, I would never have wanted to commit me'ilah, and therefore the sale is invalid and it remains hekdesh. So how could you ever violate um, uh, me'ilah? Um, uh, so we're going to see the answer is only by eating it, if it's a food item, or by using it for personal benefit, even if it's coins that you can't eat. If you use it like to weigh on a scale or whatever. Okay, that is all to be Yochanan. But now we're going to see a different opinion of Rav. Amar Rav. Chazanu al kol stadim. Shalabi me'ir velomasinu hekdesh b'shogeg and mitchalel b'mezid mitchalel. Rav says we reviewed all of the different angles here, all of the different opinions of Rabbi Meir. We're on different unrelated subjects and we never find a case where if you use hekdesh b'shogeg, it does not become chol. It's not the, 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 it's not valid. The transaction, whatever you try to do, is not valid and there's no but if you did it on purpose, then the money does become desacralized and you are Chayab Me'ilah. We never find any case that is analogous to this one. And therefore, this one must be an exception. And so, uh, in general, if someone would take, let's say, money or some fruit, that take dash and give it to a woman and uh, and and uh, and try to sang and and uh, do kiddushin with her. Actually, then it would become hall and you would be hayav me'ilah. Um, our mishnah is exceptional because it's talking about 
one particular case. The one particular case is the robe that a Kohen wears, a special robe that's given to him uh, by the Bet HaMikdash, um, that's not worn out, it's usable, and he can wear it. And he takes this robe and he gives it to a woman and says, Haret Mikudeshitli with this robe. This is an exception. Why is this an exception? Even though it's a holy item that you're not supposed to use, uh, that you can't, you, you're not supposed to use for personal benefit uh, because of a very important principle that the Torah was not given to angels. So here's how it works. Um, since this item was is given to the Kohen to, to wear um, and he's going to benefit from it, um, and he's not an angel that he can uh, not derive personal benefit from it. Uh, as follows, Kohen, uh, uh, he gets the special robe, it's a holy robe, and he's allowed to you, to wear it while he's doing the, the um, services in the Bet HaMikdash. That's when he's allowed to wear it, he has to wear it when he's doing some kind of avodah. But what if he's not doing an avodah? What if he finished, he just did, he sprinkled the blood, he's done, and he goes back into the chamber, and he sits down to rest, or he's talking to a friend uh, uh, um, uh, while wearing it. Now he's getting benefit, he's getting warmth from, these, from this clothing, this personal benefit, um, but he's not doing so. He's not doing avodah. So this would be me'ila, right? Okay. So tell him. Okay, you can't hang around in these clothes. You got to go uh, immediately and change right away. Okay. Even if he goes directly to the chamber and changes right away, there's still a few seconds when he's not doing avodah, and he's wearing the clothing, and so he's going to violate me'ila. Now this is impossible. Torah was not given to angels. Angels can be perfect, right? They can be exact. They do something exactly to the second, and then not more. But human beings are not angels, and we can't expect that a Kohen is going to be able to wear the holy robes only when he's doing avodah, avodah and not for a second more. Therefore, since the Torah was not given to angels, we have to give some leeway. And the halacha actually is for, for Kohanim, they're allowed to wear the robes um, uh, during the day that they are doing the avodah, even when they're not doing avodah. They can show up in the morning with their regular clothes, they change, and they can wear their special garments all day long, even if they're only doing avodah part of the day, and the rest of the day they're, uh, they're just waiting or doing other things that's permitted. Therefore, the, the robes of the Kohen have a special status that there is leeway that they are allowed to use it for personal benefit as long as it's within the Bet HaMikdash and uh, on that day. Now, if a Kohen takes uh, this, uh, takes a, a, his robes and he does Kiddushin with it, in that case, just like when, he use, when he's wearing it uh, over time, is it doesn't become hal, there's no me'ila, so too when he uses it to give to a woman, there, uh, there's no, there, he does not commit me'ila. If he does it on purpose, that's a different story, because then he's, um, he's taking something purposely and uh, using it for non-required uh, purposes, and that would not be allowed, then it would become hal, and so on. But if he's doing it by mistake, uh, so, if regarding other things, if, even if you do it by mistake, no, you, now you made it chol. But this thing has special leeway that you're allowed to use it when, uh, you know, not, you don't have to think about it. You're allowed to use it for the rest of the day. 
and get warmth out of it, and you don't mean to make it chol just because you're walking around or sitting around uh, in the in the chamber to rest. Um, that you don't mean to make it chol. So too, when he gives it to the woman for kiddushin, he doesn't mean to make it chol. The kiddushin will not be valid because it doesn't become chol, so she can't have it. Um, but the, there's no me'ila and there's no kiddushin. That's what our Mishnah is talking about in the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Okay, so Rav really limits the Mishnah uh, very much, really, to just with this one possible case, but that's how he explains it. Now we're going to challenge it off in three ways, from three sources. Tashema, kotnot meir, lo balu. We have a Braita that says, robes of the Kohen, of a, of a Kohen that got worn out, you do commit me'ilah according to the Bi'imeir. Um, in other words, even though they're worn out, and you might say, well, they have no use anyway, no one can wear them, still they retain their kedusha, and you cannot use them. Now, when this Braita says that, is it, is it, isn't it true that even if they didn't wear out, you can't use them? The point of the Braita is that even if they wore out, uh, and you're not usable, still they're holy. And so certainly, if they didn't wear out and they're usable, also, um, there you would, you would commit me'ilah. And this is the opinion of Rabbi Me'ir. So doesn't this show that there is me'ilah regarding uh, when it comes to robes? And since there is me'ilah regarding robes, if a, a Kohen would use this for Kiddushin, it seems that um, he should be liable, even Bishogeg. And we say, Lo balu davka. No, this Badaita is saying specifically when they wore out. Because when, the, when they wear out, then now they're, they still retain their kedusha, but now they're not wearable. So there's no more leeway for a Kohen to use it when he's not doing avodah. Since there's no more leeway, so now the Kohen cannot use this at all, not for any reason. If he goes ahead and uses it by mistake and does, does kiddushin with it, then it becomes desacralized. He is chayab me'ila, and the kiddushin would be valid. Um, uh, that that that's true if it wore out. But uh, this me, um, he was to- he said that Mishnah is talking about shelobalu because not shelobalu. If they didn't wear out, when they didn't wear out, so he's allowed to wear them. He's allowed to wear them during avodah and also not during on the same day, not during avodah. So therefore, so he has leeway to use it. And so when he uses it for Kiddushin, he doesn't mean to make it a non-sacred, and therefore it's not Chayab and the Kiddushin is not good. Good, so we answer that question. Now, second question against Rav, Tashema. Mo'alin v'chadatin ve'en mo'alin ba'atikin de'bre Rebi'uda. Rebi Meir Omer, mo'alin af ba'atikin she'er, Rebi Meir Omer, mo'alin b'shi'areh halishka. This is, comes from the laws of shekalim, uh, where you have the shekalim that are given, uh, you know, you can give them any year, any time of the year. Usually they give them an adar. Okay, and now um, you use them. As soon as Rosh Chodesh Nisan comes, um, all the sacrifices have to be bought from the hadatin, from the new uh, shekalim that were given for the net for that year. Um, and so those uh, coins that are going to be used to buy actual sacrifices, korban tamid, uh, that if someone uses it for non for personal use, that would be that would be committing me'ilah because these are designated for holy use for korbanot. However, the old ones, the ones that were given in the previous fiscal year, um, now are no longer going to be used for korbanot. They're going to be used for general expenses in the Beit Hamikdash. Since they're not being used anymore for Kodesh things, so there's no me'ilah anymore. That's the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. Some versions just have as Tanakama. Rabbi Yehuda, however, says even the old ones you would commit me'ilah. 
even though they're not being used for the korbanot, to buy the korbanot, um, but they're going to be used instead for uh, upkeep of the walls of the uh, chambers of the Bet HaMikdash and the walls of Yerushalayim and other things that are holy. And therefore, according to the Bimeir, you would commit Ma'ilah even with the leftover uh, from the either th- from the previous year or that year, they take a certain amount of co- coins that they'll need for the, uh, all the sacrifices. The leftovers that uh, surplus, um, then they use for these other things. So the Bimeir says there is meila um, because they're used for other holy items. Now we ask, Why? Why should one get commit meila with the old ones? Why don't we say that since there is permission, there is leeway, just like there was leeway with the robes that the Kohen, uh, Kohen wears, so too there is leeway. For the um, for these coins that are going to be used to rebuild or fix the walls of Jerusalem, because again here we applied the principle that I was not given to angels and the walls of Jerusalem and its towers, um, uh, the, the their uh, building and repair come from Shiadehalishka from the ex, uh, excess money. Now it's impossible that no one's ever going to get benefit from the walls if you sit on the wall or get shade from the wall then you benefited from it. So there has to be leeway. We know that because the Mishnah Shekhalim says, um, uh, the, uh, the, the, the repair of the walls and uh, the uh, chambers um, and anything that's required in the city of Yerushalayim comes from the extra. Uh, so all this is the question. According to the Bimeir, you told me that um, if I take some uh, some of the uh, if the kohen takes from his robes, which he has leeway to use for personal use uh, within boundaries, and he does kiddushin, since um, he has he can use it, um, so therefore, uh, uh, if he does kiddushin with it, it would be uh, he would not commit meila because he's allowed to have personal use from it, right, to some extent. Um, now, if we follow that logic, then that should be the same here. That Bimeir should say that the extra coins or the old coins um, that are used not for korbanot but for other for the fixing of the walls. That should be the same thing because you it has to be there is leeway that you're allowed to use the walls. And still, it uh, uh, even though they are are, are holy, according to Bimeir, they are holy. Um, but you're allowed to you're allowed to use them, and so therefore it should be that if you would use the walls, you're not chayav and therefore if you take the money that is designated for fixing the walls, also you should not commit meila. So how do we explain this contradiction? And the answer is In fact, we have the wrong version of the names here in this Baraita. Don't say to be Meir over here, but rather leave the first thing opinion as Tanakama. That's just Tanakama. And then the Biuda says there is Meila even in the old ones. And that's not to be Meir's opinion. Rabbi Meir would say that one does not com- commit me'ila um, with the with the old ones. Um, so you actually have to switch around the opinions. The new ones are you going to be used for korbanot? That yes, but the old ones are you going to be for Yerushalayim? There's leeway there, and therefore it's okay. Um, and that would be the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yudah is the one that says 
that even for old ones, the, you would be chayav um, me'ila. Okay, we solved the second problem. Now, third challenge to Rav. Um, so here says that uh, stones from the walls of Yerushalayim that fell out, and then you're going to put them back uh, eventually, um, and you use them for your own purpose, you sit on it, um, you commit me'ila according to the bimeir. Why? We just said that um, since there is leeway, that to, to use them because impossible we're not angels and you're going to end up put, putting them back and the people are going to use them so this is the same as the coins and so therefore it should be that you do not commit ma'ila with the walls with the stones from the walls of Yerushalayim how can you explain this and again here we say this say we have got the wrong name in this praita it really should be Rabbi Yehuda. Okay, so the Bimi is good. He says once there's leeway to use something because you're not an angel, if therefore once you have leeway, you don't commit me'ila if you use it beshogeg. Um, and Rabbi Yehuda is the one that says that uh, if you uh, use it beshogeg, the you are hayav. Um, that would fit with Rabbi Yehuda's opinion in our Mishnah, who says that if someone uses hekdesh beshogeg to do kiddushin, the kiddushin is valid. Kiddushin is valid means that it is becomes desacralized, and that means you do commit me'ila. Good. So everything's consistent now. However, this answer to say that this is a, this is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda is difficult because uh, you're, uh, if you say this is Yerushalayim, then you're assuming that the city walls of Yerushalayim are holy. Um, that right? Because that's why if you take what well, use one of the stones. You commit me'ila. But Rabbi Yehuda doesn't think that the walls of Yerushalayim have holiness. If you want to make a vow and say something is prohibited to me, you could say, I make a vow is prohibited to me. Or you can say, this thing, this uh, whatever, this uh, food here is going to be like a lamb. And he means by that a lamb of the korban tamid, which is uh, a korban and you cannot use it. Or kedirim, like enclosures. He means the enclosures where they keep the, the pen, where they keep the animals for the betamikdash that are designated as uh, korbanot. Ke'asim, like the logs that are placed upon the Mizbeach, ke'ishim, like the fires on the Mizbeach, ke'echal, like the, like the uh, sanctuary itself, ke'mizbeach, like the altar, all, all these are holy things. So if you say this uh, apple here should be like the Mizbeach, then that enacts a vow. Ke'irushalayim, if I say like Yerushalayim. So you see that according to Tanakhama here, Yerushalayim is holy, and so you can use it as uh, as a pointer when you're making a neder. That was all Tanakamad. Biuda says, if you say Yerushalayim, you said nothing. He agrees with the other things that they're holy. But if you say this is Yerushalayim, this apple is Yerushalayim, then it's as if you said nothing. There is no vow. So you see the Biuda does not think that Yerushalayim is holy. Now maybe you'll ask, Maybe the problem is that he didn't say it's like Yerushalayim. He just said this apple is Yerushalayim. And that is a, not a grammatical sentence, right? Uh, it would be the same if you said this apple is a, is a Mizbeach. It's not a Mizbeach. You have to say it's like, meaning it's prohibited, like Yerushalayim. Maybe the problem is the syntax, syntax error, 
but maybe Yerushalayim really is holy, but that can't be. And this Baraita explicitly says the problem is uh, Jerusalem. Anyone, even if you say Ke, and this thing is like Jerusalem, he says nothing because Jerusalem is not ha, does not have holiness. Uh, of course, it's a holy place and very special and all that. It just means it doesn't have the hekde, uh, quality of Hekdesh, or the walls themselves of Jerusalem. Uh, rather, you have to make a vow with something uh, with something that is uh, sacrificed in Jerusalem, like the other items on the list. So we see that according to Behuda, the walls of Jerusalem are not holy. So then it can't be that he's the author of this Baraita that says if you use one of the stones of the walls of Yerushalayim, you're, you commit Ma'ilah. And the answer is oh, Actually, uh, there are two different opinions about what Rabbi Yehuda thinks. And uh, this uh, uh, this Mishnah, uh, this Baraita here, and this Mishnah here are uh, were transmitted by two different Tanaim, uh, each one who understood uh, a different view of Rabbi Yehuda, and so that's how we can explain those. But in fact, this is this is is the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, at least according to that that version of Rabbi Yehuda, and it's not the opinion of Rabbi Meir, so we resolved all the objections against Rabbi Meir. Now, we go back to the, that opinion of Rabbi Yohanan, who said that, uh, that uh, Rabbi Meir would apply his law across the board, not just to tunics of Kohanim, but rather to any item, because we assume uh, that a uh, woman would not want to uh, violate Hegdesh in order to get married. So she rejected it, and there's no violation of Hegdesh, and that's why there's no Merila when it's done by mistake. So back to that. Amarula, Mishmet Rapada. Omer Hayar Bimeir, Hegdesh, Bimezid Mithalel, Beshogeg, and Mithalel. Velo Amru Beshogeg Mithalel, Ela Lenyan Korban Bilvad. Now he explains that Rabbi Meir would say that if you have something like this and you use it for personal use on purpose, then it becomes desacralized and you have me'ila. But if you did it by mistake, there's no, uh, then there's no me'ila. Uh, now there has to be a case where Beshogeg you violate Me'ilah because the Qurban, right, Asha Me'ilat is only if you do it by mistake. So what could be, what would be a case there? Oh, they said, when uh, they only said that when Shogeg, it's Mithalel, regarding the Qurban, that you have to bring a Qurban. So the thing is like this, if you use something that's holy, Bishogeg, um, and the, the money itself or whatever item it is, does not become whole, but you are Chayav Qurban. So you're Chayav Qurban. But the thing is that the money does not become hol. So if you do, use it for kiddushin, um, the money does not become hol, and therefore he didn't give her anything. That's why there's no um, there's no kiddushin. But you do have to give a korban. But we reject this uh, version because if the if the sanctity never left it, then why should I be uh, liable to bring korban? I didn't do me'ila because nothing happened, right? So I gave you, a, a, a man gave a woman some uh, money that was hektesh, and that nothing happens, it remains hektesh, so I just handed something hektesh from one hand to another. That doesn't, uh, that's, uh, that's not a violation of me'ila. Why would that, why would someone be chayav or korban? So that can't be what he meant. Rather, when Rabin came from Eretz Yisrael, he explained 
uh, better what Rapada meant to say. Omer hayad be meir. Hekdesh be mezid mitchalel be shogeg en mitchalel. Verom lu be shogeg mitchalel ela niyan achila bilbad. As follows, Bimir says, anytime you have hekdesh, if you if you use it on purpose and your goal is, I'm taking this money. I know it's hekdesh and I'm going to use it anyway to buy something or to do kiddushin, right or whatever I'm using it for. Um, then certainly I have in mind that I want to make it whole, so it does. Be Become hall and the sale will go through, but I'm chayav me'ila be'mezid. Okay, that's a big uh, sin. So then, yes, be'shogeg. However, if you did it by mistake, then there's enomit chalel because. I would not have wanted uh, to violate uh, such a prohibition in order to do kiddushin or in, or in order to uh, to make a sale, and therefore the kiddushin is invalid, the sale is invalid, and there's no chilul and there's no merila and there's no korban. So when when would you have a case where you could violate uh, the only time you violate merila uh, beshogeg is if you act, if it's a food item and you actually eat it. There, you can't say, well, oh, if I knew a shogeg, then I wouldn't have eaten it. Or maybe, maybe, maybe not. But you did eat it. You got benefit from it. If you're talking about money and a sale or something that you're just trading, um, then you could say, well, I never, I never wanted it to be mitchalel, so the sale is valid and it's still like this. But if I actually used the item and got benefit from it, the benefit w- was gotten. And so, okay, it's shogeg. That's why you could bring a korban. So if it's food and you ate it, that would, that would be true. If it was money and that you don't, you can't eat money, but you can still get benefit from money in other ways, like if you use it as a counterweight or however uh, else you might directly use uh, such an item. If it's a bowl and then you eat cereal out of it, all right, then you got benefit from the bowl. So um, if it's a transaction, the transaction is null and void, and so there's no penalty. But if it's a, a physical use of the item, then that's where um, one would violate Merila Beshogeg. We're now going to try to determine who does the halacha follow to be Meir or to be Udam regarding Hekdesh and, um, and Maaser. Amar Nachman, Amar Ravadab, When it comes to Maaser Sheni, the Meir was of the opinion that whether you do it Beshogeg or Bemezid, the Kiddushin is invalid. His reasoning is that Maaser Sheni is, belongs to Gavoa. It's not yours to give. And therefore, you can try, you can give it to a woman all day long, but you're not giving her anything that you own. Um, why is halacha like to be me'ir? Because we're going to see that there is a different Mishnah, that uh, the anonymous Mishnah, it's actually going to be the Pinu Betilel, but it's like anonymous, is according to the Bimeir. In other words, in our Mishnah that we saw above, it brings two opinions, Biyudar Bimeir. It's one you know, single opinion against single opinion. So we don't know who the Halacha is, but since we find elsewhere there's a Stam Mishnah like the Bimeir, so Halacha follows the Bimeir. Furthermore, Halacha like the Biyudar Behegdesh, Shoyv Satam Lan Tana Regarding doing, kid, doing Kiddushin with Hekdesh, and Rabbi Yehuda says, if you did it Beshogeg, the Kiddushin is valid. Bemezid, not valid. And there too, we established that the Halacha is like Rabbi Yehuda because there is a Stam Mishnah like Rabbi Yehuda regarding Hekdesh. So let's see first the example of Rabbi Meir. Kid Rabbi Meir b'maser mai he 
What is the Stam Mishnah that follows Rabbi Meir with regard to Maaseh Shini? Ditnan et Mishnah Masechet Pe'ah. Kerem Reba'i, Bet Shemai Omerim En Lo Chomesh Ve'en Lo Bi'ur, Ubet Hilel Omerim Yesh Lo. You have uh, a new tree. The first three years, you can't use it at all. The fourth year, or we're talking about a vineyard here, or a tree. Uh, in the fourth year, uh, then the owner is allowed to take the produce to Yerushalayim and eat it in Yerushalayim. Similar to Maser uh, Sheni. We're going to compare it in a second. Um, and now, if he if he doesn't want to carry it, it's too far to carry, then he can redeem it. And Bet Shammai says, if the owner does it himself, he does not have to pay a surcharge of an extra fifth. Only if, you, if you're um, redeeming someone else's produce, but your own produce, you don't have to. Also, it's different uh, than usual Maser. Usually, Maser has a time of Bi'ur in the fourth year of the Shemitah cycle, and at the end of the Shemitah cycle, you have to say, You have to make sure that all of the Maser that you owe for those first three years or second three years, you have uh, completed. But when it comes to Kerem Reba'i, there is no deadline. That's a Bet Shammai's opinion. Bet Hillel says that you do have to add a fifth and uh, uh, you do have to uh, make sure to uh, get rid of your Kerem Reba'i um, by that deadline. Bet Shammai This is now more relevant for us uh, Bet Shammai says, uh, regarding a vineyard in the uh, fourth year, we do apply the law of peret, which was which is individual grapes that fell. You can't pick them up. You have to leave them for the poor. And olelot, you have incomplete clusters of grapes. Also, don't pick those. Leave it for the poor. Now, this law, he says, applies uh, even during that fourth year when you're harvesting and you're going to take the things to Yerushalayim um, because the, you own the Kerem Reba'i. Since you own it, you have an obligation to leave these items for the poor. And Betila says you don't have to leave any to the poor. You can take all of the wine, even the things that dropped, even the uh, incomplete clusters, and you can take them all to the wine press and make yourself wine. Why? Because Betilel thinks that the Kerem Reba'i belongs to, to Shamaim. And anything that is holy, you don't have to leave for the poor. Um, and uh, so now you are allowed to eat it, just like Maaseh Sheni, right? You can eat it in Yerushalayim. Uh, so that's that's the opinion of Betilel. Now let's analyze. My Tama de Betilel, what's the Betilel source? Kamre Kodesh, Kodesh mi Maaser. Mama Sheni, Mama said, Yesh lo Chomesh, Vesh lo Bior, Avkem Rebai, Yesh lo Chomesh, Vesh lo Bior. Bet Shamai la Gamre Kodesh, Kodesh mi Maaser. So Betilel makes a Gezer Shava, says the word Kodesh regarding Kerem Rebai and it says Kodesh regarding Maaseh Shani just like regarding Maaseh Shani when you want to redeem it you have to add a fifth and there is a deadline so too Kerem Rebai also you have to add a fifth and there is a deadline you have to add a fifth if you're going to redeem it and if you do it by a certain date and Bet Shammai says, no, I don't have that, this Gezer Shava from, from Maaser, and therefore it's not the same as Maaser. Now, Bet who says uh, that the Kerem Rebai is the same as Maaser? Who is he following? If he's following Rebbe Yehuda, who says? Rebbe Yehuda says that Maaser Sheni belongs to the owner himself. 
Um, well, then, why would Betilel say that you can uh, offer the whole thing, you can use the whole, take the whole thing for, for the wine press? The Buddha says that it belongs to the owner himself, and therefore he should have to give to the poor. So you see, the Buddha matches up with Bet Shamai. Bet Hillel, however, Bet Hillel follows the Bimeir. The Bimeir is the one that says regarding Maaser Sheni. That it belongs to Gavoa, and therefore he has makes a Gezer Ashava. So Kerem Revai also belongs to Gavoa, and that explains why Betilel thinks that you do not have to leave Kerem Revai to the for the poor. And now, even though this is not a Stam Mishnah, uh, following Betilel is as good as a Stam Mishnah compared to Bet Shamai. So it's clear that Halacha follows Betilel, and Betilel matches up with Rebimeir, and therefore this Mishnah teaches that Halacha is like Rebimeir regarding Maaser Sheni. Okay, so that's uh, conclusive for now. We're going to bring a few other examples of Stam Mishnah that seem to follow Rabbi Yehuda regarding Maaser. So we'll deal with that in a second. But first, we want to see an example where, um, uh, regarding Hekdesh, a Stam Mishnah that follows Rabbi Yehuda, who says that Bemezid, uh, if you use Hekdesh on purpose, Lokidesh, Ditanan, Shilach Biyad Pikeach. Rather, actually, we're going to, this is going to be an example of that you use Hekdesh Bishogeg, and it does work, and that, that it, would, it would be Kidushin because it does become desanctified, um, and there is Me'ilah. Bishogeg, Hekdesh, there is Me'ilah, that's what we're going to prove from here. This is a Mishnah and Me'ilah. Ditanan, Shilach Biyad Pikeach, Viniskar Adshelo, Higia Etzel, Chenvani, um, in, a, in a, a temple agent uh, has some money that he thought was just regular money, and he sends someone to the uh, store owner um, and to go and uh, 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 deposit it with the store owner. Now, in the meantime, the sender, the messenger, they realized, oh, this was Ekdesh money. Because they realized it, so now uh they they are patur altogether because they they were withdrawing the messengership um but the money already got to the store owner before uh before they got a chance to tell the store owner hey don't use that and the store owner goes and uses it so he is uh, using this money uh when he when he spends the money he is Chayav Me'ila, even though this is Bishogeg. So you see, this is a Stam Mishnah, and it says that someone who uses Ekdesh money, Bishogeg, is Chayav Me'ila. So there you go. That's the that's the source. Now we're going to question the previous one regarding Halachas like Rabbi Me'ir. Yes, you brought a Mishnah that said that Betilel is follows Rabbi Me'ir. That's a good Mishnah. But look, look at this one. I have the opposite. Don't I have a Mishnah that follows Rabbi Yehuda in the case of Maaseh Shaniva this everybody agrees if you uh, uh, redeem your own sheni, then you have to add a fifth that's Betilel's opinion as we saw but then it says whether it was yours to begin with or someone gave it to you as a gift that's the end of the Mishnah now what does it mean how can you give a gift of sheni? Um, if you don't own it, if we follow Bimeir, that Maaseh Shani belongs to Gavoa, I can't give you a gift. If I have this Maaseh Shani, I mean, it's from my uh, property, but I separated it off as Maaseh Shani, and now I give it to you as a gift. That's not a gift. It belongs to Gavoa. I can't gift you something that I don't own. So this Mishnah cannot follow Bimeir. Therefore, it's evident that this Mishnah 
files it to be is owned by the farmer since I own it, although I have a restriction that I have to eat it in Mas in, in Jerusalem, still I own it, so therefore I can give it as a gift. So doesn't this uh, prove that Stamishna here is like Rabbi Yehuda? We answer No, this Mishnah could be Rabbi Meir. And we're talking about a case where I didn't separate it first, the Masishani first, and then give you the Masishani. Rather, I gave you Tebel produce. I gave it to you as a gift here. This, by the way, this is Tebel. You're going to have to uh, separate it yourself. And we're following the uh, uh, opinion that says that the gifts that belong to, you know, whatever, Kohen Levi, uh, or that you have to give to the poor, or that you have to take Jerusalem, that were not separated yet, it's as if they are not separated. As we don't say that the Maaser Shani is embedded in there, it's mixed up, but I just have to separate it to decide which one is going to be Shani and which grains are going to be not. Um, no, we don't say that. We say that it's now Tebel. There is no Maaser Shani here. Therefore, I own it completely, even according to the Bimeir, and then I can give it to you. Only then, when you separate it, then that Maaser Shani becomes Maaser Shani and belongs like Avoa. So I can explain this Mishnah even according to the Bimeir. All right, now we're going to try again. This is the same idea. It's just that it's regarding which we, we compare to Maaseh Shani. Someone who redeems Netarevai, again, the fourth year, uh, fruits or grapes that you have to uh, take to Jerusalem. And if I redeem it myself, I have to add a fifth. Um, whether, and this is whether it's mine, whether it was given to me as a gift. Now, what do you mean, given given as a gift? Can you give a gift of We learned the So just like Ma'asir Shani belongs to heaven and you can't give it to as a gift to someone else, so to Ma'asir belongs to heaven, then you cannot give it as a gift. So this Mishnah doesn't make any sense. What do you mean that that was given as a gift? Ella love Rabbi thinks that um, you can give Maaseh Shani as a gift. He also thinks you can give Kemen Debai as a gift. Both of them belong to the owner. And so therefore this Mishnah is a Stam Mishnah and proves Rabbi Yehuda regarding Maaseh Shani. So we say, no, no, Le'olam Rabbi Meir, Hacham Ha'eskenan, Kegon De'ehib, Keshehu Semadar, Odala Kerebi Yosef, Damar Semadar, Asum Mepinesh Shehu Peri. No, in fact, I can explain this Mishnah also according to Rabbi Meir. And here we're only talking about a case where um, I, I gave the fruit while it was still at, uh, in a a state of being a bud. It wasn't grown yet. And we're not going to follow the opinion of the Biyoseh. The Biyoseh said that even when the fruit is still at the state of a bud, it's prohibited in terms of Allah, and therefore would also be uh, Kerem Rebai. We're not following that opinion. Uh, we're rather following the other opinion that says, no, when it's still a bud, it's not considered a fruit yet, and you don't have to worry about Allah or Kerem Rebai. So at that point, certainly it belongs to the owner. And so I gave it as a gift at that point to someone else when I still owned it. And then it grew, and now it's Kerem Rebai. And so now... You, as the gift receiver, want to uh, um, uh, take pijon, so you have to add a fifth. So that is, this is consistent with Rabbi Meir, although you're right. If I waited, waited till it grew and then tried to give it, it would not be able to because that is belongs to Gavoa. Uh, Tashema, yet another challenge along the same lines. Mashach <laughs> 
Shani Shelo. This is a Mishnah in Masechet Maaser Shani. I have this Maaser Shani produce, and my plan is to sell it to you and thereby redeem it. In other words, it's a redemption and a sale in one, uh, so that when you buy it, um, you take them. You take the produce. It becomes chol, and the money that you give me um, will the holiness will go onto the money, and that money will be hikdesh money. Okay, so this is what we do. Here's the thing. Whenever we make a transaction uh, between two people and I want to sell you something, transferring the money does not effectuate the, uh, the, the sale, but rather pulling on the item effectuates the sale when it comes to um, people um, making a transfer of movable items. However, when it comes to Hekadesh, um, then transfer of money it's, is what uh, effectuates the transaction, not the pulling of the item. So here, this may, will make a difference because here, um, you as the, as the buyer uh, pulled on the maser sheni and we agreed that you would buy it for one selah. And uh, fine. And so now you pulled it. And, uh, so in terms of the of the normal, if it was a monetary transaction and I own it, then you would buy. You would own it from now. Um, but you didn't give me the money yet. And by the time you gave me the money, now the price went up. The uh, the the the, uh, the the market price went up, and now it's worth two selahs. So what's the law? The law is you only have to give me a selah. And the uh, other selah is your gain, is the buyer's gain, right? Now you got uh, some uh, produce that's worth two selah, but that was the agreed upon price to begin with. And the maasheshini also belongs to you, the buyer. Now, so mane, who would be the author of this Mishnah? If we follow Bimeir, that this uh, produce, that maasheshini belongs to heaven. So I have this, I have this produce I separated my session it actually belongs to heaven now I am gonna uh, uh, you're gonna buy it by buying it basically means you're redeeming it now redemption of something that is hikdesh that transaction only follows through when you give the money you didn't give the money right away when it was worth a selah you only gave the money when it went up with price went up to two selahs therefore you should have to give two selahs right but it does, Mishnah doesn't say that the Mishnah says that the transaction is effectuated by you pulling it um, that means that we're considering it as if it's my property, and when we do a transaction of movable items between two regular people not involving Hekdesh, um, then the move, the, the, the transfer effects is effectuated when you pull it. So here you pulled it, so now it's yours, that's it. And since the transaction is completed, the amount of money is that original amount of one selah that you give me, and uh, the selah is Hekdesh, that's the, um, the process of redemption. But basically, it already becomes redeemed at the moment that you uh, pull it because it, uh, it belongs to me as the farmer. Um, I own it. I just have, I have to have a restriction that I have to bring it to Yerushalayim. So you see that this Mishnah follows the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. So now what are you going to do? The Olam Rabbi Yehuda v'hacha hadstama v'hacha terestame. As you're right. Okay, this Mishnah is in fact going to be the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda. But on the other side, for Rabbi Meir, we have two now, we only saw one of them, but that one that we saw, that was quoted from Masechet Maser Sheni, is actually repeated in Masechet Eduyot. In fact, it's not only repeated once, it's repeated twice. It's also in Masechet Para. But it's enough that we have two. So it's two against one. Um, we have a, one Mishnah that's repeated twice, that says... 
um, that that stam halacha is like Rabbi Meir, and we have only one stam mishnah that reflects the opinion of Rabbi Yehuda, and that's why two against one. Now we don't accept this. We Hold on. If something is true, then it doesn't matter how many times you say it. Saying one plus one is two, it doesn't make it more true if I say it five times or one time. It doesn't make it any uh, um, uh, more true than if I say two plus two is four, but I only said that one time. So uh, what's the difference? If I repeated the same Mishnah two times, three times, it's still a Stam Mishnah. Fine, Halachas like Stam Mishnah. And even though the other one, I only repeated it once, well, it doesn't matter, right? The principle is Halacha Kistam Mishnah. The principle doesn't say, oh, if you say it three times, two times is better than one time. So Amar of Nachman Final answer is that even though yes, yeah, like one against one, however, the the Stam Mishnah that says Halachas like Rabbi Meir is found in Masechet Eduyot. Masechet Eduyot is considered the best, uh, the preferred uh, uh, tractate of Mishnah. Everything in there was ruled upon by many sages when they gathered together and they uh, um, uh, put together all the opinions in Masechet Eduyot, and therefore that one has a greater authority than any other Masechet, since this Mishnah is found in Eduyot. So we see the Stam Mishnah in Eduyot has, says Halacha is like Rabbi Meir regarding Maaseh Sheni, and so that is the final decision. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen ve'amen.